Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I'm your host Manuel Weth. And before we start, let's go over the Russian Premier League results. Ufa, Ahmad 0-1. Orenburg defeating Dynamo Moscow 2-0. I guess the coaching change didn't help there very much. Ruben Kazan 2-1 against Tampov. Sochi losing 0-2 to Krylia Sovetov. They're in the news today. Ural 1-3 to Zenit. Ooh, I know someone was going to be unhappy about that one. Lokomotiv 2, Arsenal 2-1. Ceska losing the top spot. 1-3 to Rostov, who stick in the top 5. Krasnodar beating Spartak 2-1. And Andrew Flint joining me all the way from Siberia. I think that last result explains why we have no Tim today. <laughs> yeah, apparently real life exists and work exists. I don't know what these concepts are, but uh, we I think we both know that uh, it's a convenient time. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. It's, uh, it's not a good time for Tim to be on the pod, so perhaps it's not a bad thing that he's busy at the moment. Yeah, um, very, very disappointing result. And I think we're, we're going to chat about it without Tim. Um, in a little bit, we have, we, have a f- we have a few little news items to go through. Uh, Andrew, and this one little news item, um, well, it's not really that little of a news item. I'm sure we're going to chat about it quite a bit. Um, affects your club, and I mean your club back home in England, not um, your club in Russia, uh, Ural or uh, Tuman, who we're also going to talk about today. Um, very interesting topic, actually. I'm very curious what, what you have to tell us about your little Champions League adventure. And yes, um, two men were playing in the Champions League, believe it or not. But we'll, we'll, we'll get to this. Um, but Alexander Sopolev, linked to Manchester United. Now, a lot of people will be saying Sopolev. Well, this this guy can actually score. This guy is pretty good. I mean, we just take a, took a quick glance at the statistics. Plays for Krylia Sovetov. Um, 193 centimeter tall, uh, sorry, 195 centimeter tall striker from Barnaul. I've been to Barnaul once, Andrew. You mentioned that, yes. <laughs> you like it. Um, well, before we go into the Sopolov story, let, let, let me just tell you my little Barnaul <laughs> story, all right? Um, you might remember this back, so back in the early 2000s, oh, this was like 2003. Um, I don't think they do this anymore. So they, they used to have, um, planes crossing Russia, right? From east to west, from Moscow to Vladivostok. And they were kind of like buses. So like, you know, it was a kind of like a bus or train line. It, it, the plane would take off in Vladivostok and fly to, I, I don't know, Krasnoyarsk, right? It would stop there. People would get off. Um, you would have a short break. People would get back onto the same train, a plane. Um, you would have all sorts of stuff like on there, like people would bring chicken, trees, etc. You name it, it was on that plane. Then they would fly on to Irkutsk. This is where I got on. Everyone gets on the plane. Plane takes off. Next stop was Banaul. Banaul, everyone gets off. You know, you wait around in a big old massive waiting area and then you like check back into your plane and then we flew, I think we flew to Moscow next and everyone got back off the plane again and everyone got back on the plane again and then we flew to St. Petersburg. So this is, this was my, my, uh, you know, short banal story. I remember landing there and I think there's some massive crater or something there. It was a really bizarre place. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's an interesting way to travel around and I've, I've been doing a fair bit of traveling the last year or two around the country, mostly by train and on the road, but, 
I, I'm a little bit jealous of you, Manny. I think that's a that's a nice way to see the country. You get the benefit of both worlds, I guess. Quicker the, travel. The best also... part about it, the plane actually arrived. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, that that's that's generally quite a helpful helpful part of it. Because in two thousand three, Russian planes were not like what they were today. I think the the airline actually got banned. Which do you remember which airline it was actually? Polkovo. Uh, yeah, I've never heard of them, so that kind of tells the story. Because I, I, <laughs> I travelled on a few planes and never heard of them. I think the next uh, year, the, one of the planes crashed under the very terminal I was waiting in in Irkutsk. Nice and reassuring, that isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. I survived the madness of uh, Russian plane travel back when it was still dangerous. Um, yes, but that's, <laughs> that's somebody cool. who doesn't have to travel on those planes. Is somebody interested in uh, in a move to England? Yeah, so, okay, yeah, let's get back on topic here. Um, <laughs> Alexander Supolev, sorry, like, yeah, whenever I see the name Barnaul, it makes me think of Russian plane travel and how glad I am that I'm still around to do this podcast. So, yeah, um, 10 goals in 12 games, Andrew, three assists, 22 years old, big guy. Yeah. Who seems like, you know, honestly, on the surface, he seems very well suited for. Um, a move to English football. What what do you think of him, and what do you make of this this rumor that he could be joining Manchester United? Well, to to be honest with you, I think it it makes a lot of sense. I, it's a sort of name that nobody in England will have ever heard of before this season, and that will draw a lot of sneers from other people. But the if you look at the transfer history of Manchester United since the um, the little playthings of the Americans have been in charge. Ed Woodward has been possibly the worst managing director of a football club of all time in terms of his sheer lack of knowledge. He's a businessman and he's driven up commercial revenue very well. But when it comes to transfers, he simply his he only the only thing he seems to be able to do is think, let's get a big name player that'll keep the fans happy. And it's about one in ten success rates, I'd say at the moment. You look at the likes of Alexis Sanchez and Romelu Lukaku leaving the club, they go to Inter Milan and suddenly Inter Milan are top of the league or were top of the league at least, are, are playing like everybody realistically knows they can do, you know, but they're just not the right character, not the right fit for the system at Manchester United. So the transfer record is terrible. Sobolov will be incredibly cheap. Physically, he offers something very different and he's not the same Physique as Romelu Lukaku, who has a serious amount of body mass and muscle weight, um, or some would say uh, other sorts of weight around his body. But anyway, um, he he didn't have the best uh, fitness regime, but he was big. Um, Sobolov is tall, and he is a. I mean, I don't want to go down the cliche route, but he has an incredible amount of skill. He's a very intelligent man um, on the pitch. You know, some of his assists and his finishing has been absolutely first class. If you look at the XG stats, he's outperforming what his XG suggests he should be scoring. So, and this is for a, a team that are right down the bottom of the table as well. You know, I thought maybe three or four goals into the season, well, that's a good start, but it's going to start drying up, but it hasn't dried up. Um, Manchester United need a, a striker. Marcus Rashford is way out of form and confidence. He's not really a, I don't know if he is a number nine or not. Anthony Martial is and he's, he likes to drift out wide. Uh, Dan James is a winger, and that's it. We've got a 17-year-old called Mason Greenwood, who is very talented, but is not a lead-the-line sort of player. Sobolev can do that. And for such a cheap price, it's a lot of sense, man. Um, so uh, apparently Arsenal are also interested. Um, Sobolev, after, <clears throat> pardon me, after his last game, said that he knew Arsenal had sent a scout but he didn't, you know, you know what players are like. They don't confirm, yes, I definitely want to go until it's pretty much a done deal anyway. Mostly, usually they don't anyway. But he has acknowledged that he knows scouts are looking at him. He said he wants to play in England like a lot of players do nowadays in the Russian league anyway. Um, so I don't think it's a ridiculous, I don't think it's a ridiculous rumour at all. I think it makes a lot of sense all round. Um, and of course, I would be very happy, very excited. Um, because Manchester United might actually start scoring goals again. Yeah, um, Manchester United are twelfth in the league. Andrew, I, I don't look at the league table anymore. It has no meaning for me. Um, okay. it, 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 <laughs> yes, yes. So I'm right. Yes, okay. Um, <laughs> because you know, um, 
the the issue i mean you mentioned some of the issues already um a big issue for manchester united has been um scoring goals i'm just looking at the overall xg and uh, yeah that's pretty impressive um you know we we have access to we scout of course at the, the football grad network so i'm i'm taking a look at that his overall xg is 0.53 per 90 minutes at the moment and his goals ratio is 0.72 um 50% of his shots hit the target that's impressive you know and some of the numbers that you see on on these uh, these stats platforms are just outstanding um he would be a, i mean he doesn't do this for a world beater Andrew, I mean, Korea yeah. Sovetov are not, you know, they're not Zenit, they're not, um, you know, CSKA or Rostov, the teams that are in the very top of the tail right now, or Krasnodar. He does this for a club that's not, you know, the one of the most competitive. So, um, he, he has to convert the chances that he gets, right? Um, and when you yeah. look at the amount of goals that he's got, he's, he's been, he's, t- 76, you know, 76% of, um, Kriyasovetov's goals that were scored, he has been, he had a foot in it. Um, that's, that's significant numbers. So, yeah, it would be an interesting signing. Now, the, of course, the, the big question is the, the famous work permit, right? Everyone who's played football manager knows about work permit. Um, that's why I play the Bundesliga. I don't have that issue with that. Um, but yeah, if you, if you are serious about football manager, you probably like, uh, manage some club in the English Premier League and um, you will know all about the work permit and how they always fall through whenever you whenever you find that player. Now, Andrew, he has been called up to Russia's national team, but I believe there is some kind of rule. You have to have played 75% of eligible um, national team games over the last two years, I believe it is, right? Um, yeah, that's that's what has been the case for a while. One thing that has slightly changed is the, the the actual standing of the national team itself has an effect. So if you have played for a national team that is in the top 50 ranked sides in the world, then it is it is easier to get your work permit. There are some, I believe, as I understand it, there are some special exceptions if a player shows extraordinary talent but just is actually genuinely so young that they haven't had time to to get a certain number of games um so uh russia at the moment i believe are in the top 50 in the world in the fifa rankings at least it should be um so i think he should be okay if he gets some game time fairly soon uh I mean, I'm, I'm talking, of course, hypothetically. We don't know what stage, if any, negotiations actually are at. Um, but it is it is getting tighter. Now, there is also a certain little date coming along in, in three weeks' time that will, I'm certain will have some influence on how foreigners are allowed to work in, in the lovely, open, welcoming country that is the UK. Um, so... I don't know how that will affect it. I'm certain it must have some some effects because the the freedom of movement and trade is is, is something that the EU prides itself on quite rightly. And um, seeing as my countrymen don't seem to have much interest in staying there, um, I think that might have a major effect. Uh, so we'll we'll have to wait and see. It won't be straightforward. Let's put it that way. Um, but if he can get some games for the Russian national side, then that will help matters immensely. It, it's interesting that he has been called up to, to Russia's national team just in the middle of this rumor. Um, because it always makes you think, you know, Fedor Chalov, for example, hasn't been called up, right? And that, that is something that's, that is a bit controversial given yeah. Fedor Chalov's talent. Um, obviously Fedor Chalov, um, perhaps not quite on the radar of a big club and also not in need right now of collecting national team games because he's, I think he's pretty close to that number anyways, right? Of call-ups. So, um, coincident maybe that, you know, that rumor emerges and then at the same time, you know, he gets a call-up to the Russian national team. Are you suggesting that there are underhand influences behind the scenes, possibly involving agents in this modern world of football? You couldn't possibly be suggesting something like that, surely? No, 
No, never. No, no. That's that. okay. Well, fair well, remember the story with all the Brazilians that played for CSKA and Dinamo, and they were all all of a sudden caught up to Brazil's national team. Uh, well, I mean, I was that was because they played so well, and they had earned the right to represent their country despite being utterly terrible. Remember um, when Martin Love yeah. was a national team player? Well, Wagner Love is a, is a legend. I won't have a bad word said against him, but you, you do make a point, Amanda. You might possibly be on something there. Okay, I mean, not Wagner Love than Joe. Remember when Joe was a national team player and then got a move to Manchester City? Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear me. Um, actually, that's quite enjoyable because that's one of my one of my rivals having a, a having a donkey up front. That was funny, um, but um, it's it, yeah, I, I think. With this call-up, if we look at the Russian national team squad and how it's changed with Fyodor Smolov's injury, and uh, and calling up Sobolev, it's when we when we saw um, uh, Nikolai Komlichenko called up for the last international break. Chichesov's reasoning was that Zuba is his main man; he's the captain, and that's you know nobody disputes that because he's been performing well, and it's clear that. Chichesa values his place in the side, not just as a leader, but as a player. And he justified Komlichenko's call-up because he's a similar type of player. But Smolov, at least, of the three, offered something different. He does play a very good number nine role when Ren required, but he's much more mobile. He drifts between lines, between the spaces, more than Komlichenko or Dzuba would. So at least there was that second option there. Um, but now calling up Sobolev ahead of Chalov again... Now you really do have three tall number nines, um, and there isn't really a second option of the strikers. Now, admittedly, when you've got um, Cyprus and Scotland, they're not the most threatening sides, then it, it's not the end of the world, I guess. But it does seem, yeah, even if there wasn't this rumour about Sobolev being interested in a move to English clubs or English clubs looking at him, um, as you suggest, Manu, which of course we wouldn't dream of realistically thinking, um, <laughs> but even then it would be strange because, I mean, what more does, I mean, okay, Chalif, yes, his form has not been quite as electric as last season, but he is, he is slowly getting involved in goals and assists. He's got, I think, four goals and three assists in uh, in 12 games. It's not a great strike rate, but Tesca are, are, well, they're right at, near the top of the table. They are um, they're there or thereabouts at least, and, and Chaloff is is in the side. He's playing regularly. Um, he did score a lot last season, and he's going to come good. He'll get into at least 15 goals again this season, I think, um, or at least he could do. So maybe it's just the fact that he's already proven himself for one season that means Chechesov is less bothered about it. Uh, you know, he likes to experiment with slightly lesser known players or slightly. You know, give, give players who haven't had any chance a chance to prove themselves. Slightly odd way around of doing it. Um, and if I was Chaloff, I wouldn't be concerned yet, but I would start, I'd be knocking on the door quite literally saying, well, hang on a minute, you've justified it the last two international breaks. How long is this going to go on? Because he could get to the age of 23, 24 and, and, and still be on the fringes. And it, it, that does start to send the wrong message. Chaloff is a talented player. He's definitely Russian national team quality, for the squad at least. Um, and it's very disheartening if you're him. If um, you know a player comes in, has the sort of season you had, and is already ahead of you in the pecking order. I think that's... Chichester needs to be careful. He, he, it's only so long he can keep doing this, promoting players who are having a good season ahead of players who have had two or three good seasons. That's all I'm saying, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah, very odd. That's you know coupled with a rumor. Well, we'll keep an eye on that um, because I do find that uh, I know, I know, conspiracy theorist and all that. But um, <laughs> I have seen it too many times. It's, let's yeah. say it that way. Um, coaching changes; those are always good. Let's talk about those, Andrew. After we've uh, talked about Stanislav Chechesov. Um, without suggesting that Stanislav Chechesov should be part of a coaching change. Although I know Tim is banging away constantly about him potentially becoming a Spartak Moscow coach. Um, we'll see. I don't, I don't know if anyone wants to be coaching in the FNL if you were a cat coach in Ru of Russia's national team. That's what you get, Tim, for missing the podcast. So, um, yes, Dynamo Moscow. Speaking of the FNL, because that's where they're heading right now. 
after spending are, are you ready for this after a deficit of 34.1 million euros on the transfer market dinamo moscow a second to bottom um, i think that is enough to justify a coaching change at least in my books what do you think andrew yeah i don't think anybody with a, a sane mind on them would would uh, want uh, Dmitry Kokhlov to stay at Dynamo Moscow. I mean, one thing you could say in his favour, I mean, it's not it's not enough, in my view, to justify him staying. I certainly am not arguing for that. But he has managed to keep a relatively, relatively stable defence over pretty much his whole tenure. They're not an exciting side to watch, and but they have... You know they've they've kept a relatively relatively good defence. It's something that uh, as an Ural follower, I'm very envious of. They okay, they've conceded 14 goals, but and in 12 games, which isn't it doesn't sound outstanding. But when you look up the table, they have the best defence of anybody outside the top six, and that's for a side who are struggling. Now the goal scored is of course the major worry. Nobody scored fewer goals than them. And when you bring in Maximilian Philipp and Sylvester Igbun and Clinton and G, then it's it's easy to understand why people are losing patience with Hockoff for not being able to get goals out of them. Um, so he he kind of had to go. It wasn't it wasn't going anywhere. His leadership um, defense alone is not enough. You need you need to make more out of talented players. I, I don't I don't think those three signings I mentioned are knee-jerk signings either. Philip has something to prove. Yeah, I mean, of course, Manny, you, you've told us before the podcast about his his standing in Germany, how he's struggled to make the impact since he moved to, to Dortmund. So he's got, a, he's got something to prove. He certainly has talent. And he scored, I think, in his first two games, actually, for Dynamo. Um, Igbu knows the league very well. He's yeah, all-time top goal scorer for Ufa. And he is electric, really powerful runner. Clinton and G is offers a good option out wide, so they can all fit into a system. But Hockoff hasn't gotten clicking, so he had to go. I don't think anybody would say otherwise. So, yeah. Um, and in terms of their replacement, promoting uh, Kirill Novikov from youth coach up to acting head coach, I believe his title is, or something along those lines, actually is a first sign of common sense from Dinamo for some time, I think, because it's... It offers them at least a modicum of stability for the time being, gives them time to properly research who they're going to bring in next. And there's no point making a knee-jerk reaction. They've got to avoid relegation. That is the only task they have left for the rest of the season, so as I'm concerned. Um, and that's not going to be straightforward. I'm, I, I'm not trying to be dramatic, but um, Akhmat, I would say, fairly obviously, other side, although they did win, for the first time in six, seven games last weekend, I, I think they are the danger side. Sochi, I I have an, I have more faith in Sochi staying up. Um, after that, well, I mean, Spartak, Spartak, surely, Manu, I know you joked about them going down to the Fennel, but surely they can't get relegated, right? Right? It has happened before. <laughs> well, no, no, it hasn't happen happened in, in Russian football history, but it's happened in the Soviet Union. They've been really well, good. I mean, we speak of those two clubs. Dynamo Moscow were down in the Fennel three seasons ago. Four yeah, seasons but ago. I mean, they did Dynamo Moscow. Come on, that club is cursed. Well, yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, they, we talk about Spartak as a basket case. Dynamo is just... Is, is They're cursed. Yeah. 100%. They're cursed because they were run by the NKVD during mm. the time of the Soviet Union. You know, if you were the favorite club of, of Beria... This is what happens to you. Um, that's how I see it. You know, yeah. uh, I think they're cursed. I mean, they must be. Look at look at the amount of money they spend. And that, yeah, you know, like yeah, I mean, the the the, the, the theater that like, with the with trying to build that uh, that that stadium, um, you know, the whole the whole uh, soap opera around the ownership. Um, the the fact that you have agents involved and bringing in players and now all of a sudden they have money again um, after being sold and resold for one ruble right that symbolic price um, the fact that they fenced off Yashin's statue you know oh dear. 
I think that's probably a worse crime than the barrier thing. Um, yeah, I, I agree 100%. Yeah. I mean, the club is cursed, man. Um, yeah, I, there's, um, I, you, we talk about conspiracy theories and all that stuff, but actually, there's got to be something else at play here. It is, it is, it is ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, um, you know, when people talk about pumping money into a club, of course, we're not quite that naive to think just purely money can, on its own, buy success. Of course it can't. You've got to have direction. You've got to have a plan. You've got to have a, a philosophy. You've got to have a coach who is as good psychologically as he is tactically. You need all that, of course. But there is, I would say, an amount where just throwing money surely can make some improvement. But, you know, I, I don't know. The, the Dynamo are... They should be challenging for Europe. There's no question about it. With their resources, with their appeal, the fact they're in Moscow, um, that will appeal to bringing in overseas players, which they have managed to do, um, to improve the quality of the squad. They actually have a very good youth system. Don't forget, they won the, I think it's the Russian under-21 Premier League through two or three times in the last four years. So their youth system is producing players, and they've got players like Roman Yevgenyev, who's come into the their starting lineup this season, particularly, and got um, Vyacheslav Gruliev, um, winger, who's who's meant to be extremely talented. He's getting a few minutes too. So it's not like they don't even have a youth system, and yet they're second bottom of the Russian Premier League. Maybe it is a curse. Yeah, it most certainly is. Uh, I have my mind made up. It's cursed, <laughs> but. Um, Really curious to see how the rest of that season is going to play. I'm absolutely with you. They should have challenged for Europe. Uh, we're going to talk about a club um, in a few moments in Rostov, right? That they're sitting in second in the league and they have nowhere near the money invested that the Dynamo Moscow have and never have because, you know, they don't have money. <laughs> it's like Rostov and having money, they're not... The, the same thing and this is a club that has played Champions League over the last five years they you know they actually got there they got to where Mendes and all those money makers and all those guys wanted to get Dynamo Moscow to Rostov have actually been there um and famously took three points of Bayern Munich remember that still doesn't sound right but it did actually happen it did actually happen and you know when you look at Dynamo Moscow it's just like it's the absolute opposite of where Rostov have been and what Rostov have been doing and it shows you that even with a lack of resources as long as you know which players design and who to bring in um, you can do something very well and yeah I mean throughout ever since I've been interested in Russian football it's always been the case that Dynamo Moscow have been this you know that's that's just who they are Um, they have been this Um, so yeah I mean it will will be interesting will be interesting to see Sorry? No, it's just why you mentioned Rostov. You mentioned their recruitment. I mean, it, it is it is very good. Uh, good recruitment, sensible recruitment. Will Trump splashing money every day of the week? Matthias Norman in midfield, just for example. He he actually did play in England. Nobody paid any attention to him. He never got any game time at Brighton, I think it was. And there he is um, playing out of his skin in midfield. And they're smart to pick up the experienced players who can still offer something like Evelyn Pokov and um, Pavel Mamayev, of course, one of our favourite players. We couldn't have a podcast going about mentioning his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and Yedemyenko, Shamordov, for God's sake. They picked him up and they trusted in him. They spent time and patience with him. And now he's top goal scorer alongside someone. So if Dinamo had that sense about them, we wouldn't be having this conversation, would we? Yeah, exactly. So um, speaking of sensible... Andrew, you ready for this? <laughs> Go on. <laughs> oh, it's too bad Tim isn't here. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tim. I'm sorry. We just—it's you know, Tim. You know our hearts. In the Apparently, he's out. He's going out tonight. Yeah, I think uh, he'll probably be better off uh, going out than listening to this. I think. I mean, yeah, in fairness, on. he is a rock star, a punk rock star in Vancouver. Um, you know, we're, we're quite honored to have him on when he's on. So, um, yeah. but, um, yeah, it's really too bad he isn't here. So Spartak, um, they lost. 
Do you love watching live TV but are tired of your huge cable bill? Sling TV has the same top cable channels for as little as half the price, so you can save hundreds of dollars while still watching your favorite sports, news, reality TV, and more. Ditch cable and get Sling's total live streaming solution with free local channels. Setup and installation are included. Make the smart choice and switch to Sling TV. Get the best of cable for the best price. Learn more at sling.com slash cut cable. That's sling.com slash cut cable. Setup and installation included with $49 down and $20 a month for 12 months. Restrictions apply. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. And they still don't have a new coach. What's going on, Andrew? We're, we're, what's going on with Domenico Tedesco? Um, you know, does he have to find a bus first that he's going to need to park in front of the Spartak school? Or what's happening here? Well, Sparta do have a very nice bus, too, admittedly, so uh, he'll probably be happy to see that. Um, but I, I don't know. It all just feels very, you know, trying to get a big name in. And by big name, just simply he's managed at a club in a big league. I mean, his overall history, his managerial history is is relatively short because he's a young guy. But you've told me, you guys who watch the Bundesliga regularly, everybody will know that he is an inherently defensive negative coach. Is that what Spartak really wants? Is that what they really need? I mean, he's he's been in no. Moscow for the last... <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, it's about as easy a question as anybody could ask, right? Um they need somebody who can get the most out of some incredibly talented midfielders and, and most important, in my view, Andre Schurler. He's, he started his, his time here uh, on fire and, and Spartak put four competitive wins together in a row, which was the first time they'd done that in over a year. Uh, and I don't know whether he's picked up an injury or something or whether he's just, just lost interest altogether, but he's just almost disappeared off the off the face of the earth. And maybe it is just an injury, but um, he's got to get the best out of them. Tedesco has been in Moscow for the last uh, couple of days, looking around facilities and he's taking a very measured approach to considering his option, which seems to mirror his footballing philosophy, I guess. Um, And I think he, I, my guess is that after having a look at the scale of the club, he will realize as well how desperate they are to have, a, have a coach in, he will know that his name carries standing because, of course, he, he was in Moscow last last autumn uh, against Lokomotiv in the Champions League where his very dull side beat an even duller side 1-0, five minutes to go. So he knows that they're aware of him. He will know that just simply by being a Bundesliga coach, he carries some weight with him. And I think if he's smart, he can engineer a very lucrative contract for himself here. And Given that he's been out of work since, what is it, March, when Schalke sacked him or he resigned, you know, it's going to be more difficult for him to get a job in his um, in his homeland or in, you know, mainland Europe at least. I think it would make sense to move to Russia. He's got uh, a big club. If I was him, though, I would wait until that next international break because I'm pretty sure jobs will become available in Germany then. Manny, you can answer this better than I can, given obviously your close following of the Bundesliga, do you think a big enough Bundesliga club to satisfy him would actually take him on at this stage? I don't think he needs to go to a big enough Bundesliga club. He's 30, 33, you know, yeah. and he's not Julian Nagelsmann, obviously. He's talented, but he's not Julian Nagelsmann. Um, I think going to a smaller club, you mm. know, not desperate of being um, rescued from the ongoing long-lasting demise is maybe a better proposition than um than a than a big club like Spartak in a foreign country where he doesn't speak the language right so like someone mid-table in Germany if that position became available for example might be more intelligent for him just to learn the job. I mean, he was at Erzgebirge Aue, and yes, he rescued them from relegation 
And then he was at Schalke. And yes, he finished second with them that first year. But I mean, he needs to grow as a coach. And I, I don't know if he's going to do that growing in Spartak Moscow in the situation that they're in. I just don't think that's necessarily maybe the next good step for him. If you're a young and talented coach, you, you want to kind of do some real growing. And, um, I don't think it's going to be a long lasting career in Russia, even if he takes that job. So why even bother? That's just my personal opinion. I mean, what what is his reputation right now in the Bundesliga? How much of a hit did he take for his, well, demise of Schalke? Do you think he is still valued? I mean, you, you mentioned he's a talented coach. I don't think anybody can say he's got no talent as a coach. He, he, he couldn't have been appointed and uh, rescued a Bundesliga, Bundesliga club if he wasn't. Um, but is his reputation damaged in any way do you think do you think he could get a you know it, for his point of view it makes sense but for the Bundesliga club if they're a mid-table club they want some stability do you think he would still be um, able to attract that level of interest yeah okay yeah no I, I can see that logic then yeah. perhaps and maybe maybe money that is why we are seeing him take a slow measured approach yeah. to this Spartak approach and yeah, that's a sensible way to look at it, I guess. Because uh, the next international break is like, what, around November 11th? Yeah, around then, I think, yeah. Right? So that's uh, not that long ago. It's only a month. You know, you, obviously, there's not going to be any changes in this international break, but give it another three, four solid match days, and then we're in Germany, we're going to be into like match day 11-ish. Um, that's when clubs start getting nervous. Right. Um, well, I think from from Spartak's point of view, they will be anxious to get somebody in fairly soon. So yep. it'll be interesting to see how this one plays out. Um, I I had assumed that it would be difficult for Tedesco to find a job in the Bundesliga, but the way you, you mentioned the mid-table clubs, it makes a lot of sense actually. With his age, mm. with his, there's no rush in his career. He will get another job. He, so the next one. Or maybe even a top club in Bundesliga too, you know. Well, I mean, there are big clubs down there, aren't mm. there? So, you know, I mean, I guess, I guess for Tedesco, it's it's actually quite an important decision this one because after you know, if you have one bad one, but one job that goes slightly wrong, then okay, it happens. There can be a number of facts, and people can generally be forgiving, I think, for that. But if you if your next job is a poor choice suddenly it starts to a pattern begins even if it's not real people in their minds will say well that's two jobs in a row is it the manager rather than the actual clubs or the context around it yeah. so i think he's got to be careful with his next choice and russia is very far away from germany you know well, in, in a footballing yeah, sense yeah yeah it's um there, there is there is that too he wants to be i'm sure i mean there's no way i could imagine he would think spartak is where or russian football is where i'm going to Finish my career. He's yeah. only three years old, you see. So he wants to keep in the public eye. And if it's Spartak are not in Europe, that's a that's a major negative for him in the short term too. So I don't know. I mean, I think um, I think Spartak's eyes light up when they see somebody internationally recognisable, possibly available, and then they get they get blinded by this. And I think it's the that's the trouble with the club. Fedun is he seems to flip between. Going for somebody lower key, somebody Russian, and somebody foreign with a big name reputation. I mean, you look down the list of their managers in the last decade, and it, it's a very confusing list. There's not much logic yeah. to it. So no. In that sense, in the weirdest way, it makes sense that they're trying to go for him based on their previous history, but the logic I don't think is quite there. So um, we've never been entirely in favour of this Tedesco to Spartak talk anyway, have we? So. Um, you know, we mentioned, we pointed out all of these things we just mentioned already. So, if they have any sense about them, I think probably it's not for the best for them. And if we're being brutally honest, it's probably not the best for Tedesco either. I do think there's an appeal there. Depends what he, Tedesco's priorities are. If he's got his long-term career in mind, I guess waiting for a Bundesliga job makes more sense. If he wants to just spread his wings and get a big payday then Sparta probably would be a good option but, yeah we'll so. see I, I, yeah I think this is going to be one to be determined um, Andrew while we talk about Spartak um, 
they're 11 points out of a European spot. Well, maybe, maybe less depending if number six becomes a European spot, depending on the Russian cup, right? Um, that's always the X factor, but <laughs> look at, look at this table, Andrew. <laughs> Take it's a look. Bad. Locomotive. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I was talking about the Bundesliga being extremely tight. And yes, of the European top leagues, the Bundesliga is the tightest at the moment. But look at this. This is, this is just nuts. I mean, um, it's, it's insane, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Let me, let me just get these numbers here real quick before we chat about it. Locomotive are on 26. Rostov are on 26. Krasnodar on 26. Zenit are on 26. Uh, it's a bit of a gap now to CSKA, who are on 25. Um, yeah. <laughs> this is nuts. I mean, well, you know, it's the, the, the numbers are, the numbers are absolutely insane. There have been, I, as I believe there have been seven different leaders of the Russian Premier League after just 12 games. Of course, Ural have been top for the longest. Um, <laughs> so I'd just like to point that out in case anybody forgot. Um, but when you've got a league that changes hands, that, uh, I'm sorry, I take that back actually. I think Zanis have been at the top longer, but anyhow, um, you've got seven different clubs who've been at the league. You've got one point separating for top five. I mean, it is it, absolutely mad, but it's, it's not only the top of the table. To have the top of the table with that many, that many clubs who you can make a case for almost all of them being genuine title contenders, not just because of the, how close the points are, but the clubs themselves, just how they're playing, the way they're set up. Uh, Zanit with their resources is easy, of course. Tiska uh, with their uh, young side that they've blooded from since last summer is starting to mature even more. Krasadar with their, well, building European experience um, and their ability to bring in bigger players. Rostov, we've mentioned already. Lokomotiv with... Yuri Shemin, he may not be the most entertaining coach, but he commands the respect of the team and he has some of the best game changers in Russia. You could make a case for all five of them. You know, um, I don't know how many leagues can genuinely, genuinely say that, even if they are tight in points. They, they, you can't you can't split a lot of them. I still think Zanita favourites. I still think they will win the title, but they're going to have to earn it. It's certainly not going to fall into their laps at all. I'm going to um, go with Rostov. Just of laughs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what, Manu? It would be, it would not be the worst thing in the world. I think for the long-term interest and health of of the league, because it would make all the other clubs sit up and think, "Hang on a minute, why why are we not winning it?" Because well, they don't have we... Valerie Carpin. Well, I, t- I tell you what, Carpin it, it, it says a lot, doesn't it? He's yeah. he had a spellless manager at Spartak, and he's had a spellless manager at Rostov. Massive difference in resources, massive difference in history and appeal, and yet which one has he managed to get? I mean, he didn't do too badly at Spartak, at least for the first season or so, but um, at Rostov, it's on a different level. And they, they, they're they very, very sensible. They're balanced with bringing in experience and youth, and they how they have managed to financially, I don't know the whole story how they've managed to recover financially because it was only beginning of, I think, beginning of this calendar year when they were locked out of their own stadiums because they couldn't pay the rent. I mean, that that's a serious level of financial trouble. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's very hard to call. Generally, it's hard to call. But I, I still, it's not popular. But I, I still am going to stick with Zanit. They were my choices at the beginning of the season. But I'd be more than happy to see anybody else challenge it. Rostov do? Brilliant. Yeah, oh, we'll see. I, I'm pretty sure you're right. I think it's going to be Zanit as well. But it'd just be funny if it was Rostov. Um, you know, it just would be something different. Um, but whether it will actually happen, uh, we'll see. What we do know is going to happen, Andrew, that, um, and that article has been written it hasn't been posted yet but it might be posted by the time this podcast comes out is the russia against scotland uh european championship qualifier and let me just take a quick look at the table before i spout off some nonsense that isn't true (laughs) well i mean i I mean i i wrote this preview with 
great deal of interest because as an Englishman, I take great pleasure in seeing Scotland fail. Of course you do. Oh, well, yeah. he, you know, I, I, I wish the best. No, I don't wish the best for them. I want them to be rubbish. Um, but in all seriousness, Scotland are nine points off second place in the um, in Group I, I think yes. it is. Um, and a defeat would see them eliminated from the European Championships. Yeah, officially. I mean, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, the table has panned out almost as most people would have expected. Belgium are clearly at the top and Russia are very strong second place. Um, and if, uh, I believe, if Cyprus, uh, Cyprus playing Kazakhstan, I think, yeah. if they draw and Russia win, then Russia mathematically are guaranteed to finish second and therefore are in the finals already before they even have to travel to Cyprus at the weekend. So um, it's a very easy, it's a very clear-cut table. Um, there's very little m most of the other sides can really do. You've got Sykes and Kazakhstan on seven points, um, Scotland on six, uh, and then Russia all the way up on 15. Um, Russia are actually on their longest competitive winning streak for something like 24 years. Uh, so, I mean, that, the, all, those stats sound good, but a word of caution, Manu. I'm um, interested to see what you think of this as well. Um Russia have, like I say, they've won five games in a row for the first time since the mid-1990s. But the performance against Kazakhstan in Kaliningrad, the last game in the group, was very, very unconvincing. And the Scotland away game, 2-1, Russia won. They did control it quite well, but they had to battle for it. And they only won by a single goal margin. So it is good. They've got the results on paper. Does it matter, Manu, in an international qualification campaign, how convincing the performance is if you just get points on the board? Uh, no, the only thing that matters is points. Yeah. I say that coming from a country that has had many, 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 many qualification campaigns seemingly come off the rails only then to win the tournament. Um, no, Qualification campaigns do not matter as long as you qualify, as long as you're at the tournament, that's all that matters. And I think that the Russia are actually playing a very strong qualification campaign. Um, you know, yes, they lost to Belgium, but, um, they, they, they convincingly got the results. And if you play against a site like Kazakhstan, you're like, the, the bottom line is three points. That's, that's my take from this, Andrew. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I agree with you. I, that's part of what I alluded to in, in the previews, that your job as an international coach is is so different to a club side. Club side, mm. you've got the responsibility, you're custodian of the club, and you do, and that's why we mentioned that Tedesco would be a bad fit for Sparta. And in a weird hypothetical, if Sparta was an international side, Tedesco would probably make a lot of sense, bring a bit of solidity and, and, and patience and calm to the side. But... You know, an international side, it's results because then you don't have a tournament to prove yourself. Um, so, I, I I agree with you. I I think it's it's a it's a word of caution, not a word of panic. That um, Russia must not be complacent against Scotland. They are struggling in the group, but they are actually a very dangerous side. They have a lot of pace and a lot of decent. Decent, not world beating, but decent attacking midfielders who can create. Um, and they, you know, Scotland have, okay, you could say they have nothing to lose. They've got nothing to gain really either. Yeah. Um, but you never know quite what mentality might come out. If, if, if Russia are too conservative to start with and first five, 10, 15 minutes of a game, regardless of what's at stake, if you sense you've got the upper hand on another side, it can just flick a mental switch and think, hang on a minute, we've got them on the ropes. Let's just, let's just have a go. And if Scotland put Russia under pressure, we talk about the points differences. If Scotland win, it goes down to six points, Scotland to Russia, with three games to go. Um, and if Kazakhstan and Cyprus draw, then Russia then have to go to Cyprus, knowing that they've got Belgium at home the next game, which you might well see Belgium losing that. They probably won't need to win it, but they might. They're better side than Russia. So Russia can't take that for granted at all. Suddenly, there's pressure to beat uh, to beat Cyprus. The last game against San Marino, you write that off. That's a Russia win. 
So Scotland can't afford any more drop points. But if Scotland beat them and assume that Belgium will beat Russia, then Cyprus game cannot be lost. Otherwise, Scotland mathematically can overtake them. So much as it is extremely favourable and Russia could seal their qualification by beating Scotland, alternatively by losing, they are opening the door slightly. So, you know, it's, it's, you've got to get that three points in the bag. Yeah, absolutely. Um, real quick, Andrew, Ukraine, uh, first in their group, um, can make a big step towards the European Championship, um, if they, if they win that game against Lithuania. But, um, I want to talk about something a little bit different. And, um, I'm having this page open right now and I'm looking at the Champions League standings and I see Tumen being last in group three. Um, this is of course the futsal champions league. The only champions league that matters. Yes, of course, because your team is in it. Um, <laughs> I'm just, you know, I'm looking at the standings. You have a team from Lithuania in here, our team from Kazakhstan and Barcelona. Uh, you went to the game against Barcelona, the game that they lost just one nil. That doesn't sound like a very high score for an indoor football game. Um, Tell me, what what is this thing? I mean, it's all UEFA endorsed. It's like it has a fancy homepage like the real Champions League does. And um, Well, yeah, it's um, the UEFA Futsal Champions League is, is actually been running for quite some time. But uh, something that will probably have flown under the radar, certainly of English viewers, because Futsal in England is really not desperately popular. It's not driven. I certainly don't. I don't know. I, that says it all. I don't even know necessarily if there is a professional futsal league. It's certainly not pushed, but in a lot of European countries, it's taken very seriously, including Russia. Russia were runners-up in the last European Championships, and there were two Tumen players who are in the Russian national side. Um, one of them brilliantly drinks in the same pub that me and my Irish friend here in Tumen drink in, so we know Vanya Milovanov quite well, actually. That says everything um, about the professionalism of the league. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, but, but I'd just like to make it clear: Vanya never, never drinks beer in the pub. He's always very professional, and he, he never gets drunk. He actually genuinely doesn't. Um, okay. But anyway, the, the futsal, <laughs> it's it, it's generally quite interesting. This because in you know we've talked about how a lot of clubs in the past we've talked about this so many times on the podcast how a lot of eleven aside football clubs are funded are driven by regional governments, and Chumen is no different. And um, There is one man who is president of Tumen's 11-a-side football team, the hockey side, who are very successful. They were runners-up in the Vishar Hockey League, the second tier, if you like, of Russian hockey last season. Uh, they were champions of that same league about eight years ago. And he's also president of the futsal team, all of whom get funded by, the, well, at least partly, by the Tumen regional government. And... The, about five years ago, Chimen had a lot of Brazilian players. They had a Brazilian manager who won the Futsal World Cup with Brazil in 2012, I believe it was. And they didn't manage to get the success that was wanted. So there was a change of tack and the, the Chimen regional government said, look, we want you to invest in the development of young players, local players. We won't have any foreign players for a few years. So that's what they did. And a lot of those players have come through, including the current captain, um, Archel Mantoshkin, who's in the Russian national side now, and they won the league with players from their own youth system. They won the Russian Super League and qualified for the Champions League. Now they've brought in three Brazilian players and they they competed with Barcelona really well. Um, they, they had 25 shots and Barcelona had 35 shots, but the second half of the game, Chimen genuinely were were on top. And it's not my bias coming through. I genuinely mean that. I just think futsal is a, it's a fascinating, it's a different sport entirely. It's not just, oh, it's five, not 11 players, but it's the same game. It's a totally different game. The ball skill, their press resistance, the speed with which they think is just remarkable. Um, and Chimen genuinely have earned their place at the table. And the, the way the futsal Champions League works is they have little group stages. So this group stage in Lithuania, There are four teams, the top three in the group go through. So all two men need to do is win one for the next two games. 
and they'll go through to the next group stage, which Tumen are bidding to host. So hopefully we'll have more big sites coming all the way to Siberia. Um, and that will be seriously exciting. But it's it's looking good. Tumen were competitive, but they should win, I think, tonight against the Lithuanian hosts. Remarkable stuff. I'm learning something new every day. Um, you know, it's it's really interesting looking at all these clubs. Um, there's a German side in it from Weilimdorf. I don't even mm. know where that is. But a lot of it's it's a it's a very interesting mix of some of the traditional countries that you know do well in Champions League. I like the fact that there's only one team from one country. You know, none of that Champions League soccer nonsense where there's like four teams from one country. It's like it's a proper Champions yeah. League. You know, there's a team it's, from Kosovo, Belarus, like. Bosnia Herzegovina. There's a, one German team. There's one team from Russia. Some big names: Barca, Benfica. But yeah, I like that. It's good. Yeah, it's 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 a it's more of a well a traditional Champions League, if anything, or European Cup, more like we should say. I like that spread because it it's it is a more continental competition rather than yeah. just let's just collect all of our favourite big, rich, um, successful sides together. Um, so if you're if you're watching at all, everybody, um, six o'clock Central European time, Vitis against Tumen. Watch the best side in in Europe uh, play. That's uh, that's the one to look out for tonight. And also, just on a side note as well, the the Communist Party, Russian Communist Party, have a very successful side. They're also playing in the competition at the same time tonight. So wait, what um, in the Champions League? Yep, they, they, <laughs> the the. The Communist Party of Russia, their side are the. I think they finished second in the Super League. They're playing a Hungarian side tonight. Oh my as well. god! So, I found them. KPRF. Oh my god! They called the Communist Party of Russia Football Club. Absolutely, absolutely, the very same. <laughs> so yeah, you know, if you're looking for a football fix, I personally, I love the international break. I know it's very popular. It's called Sport Club of Communist Party of Russian Federation. This is incredible. Isn't it? Isn't it? You know, this, this is the thing, Manu. International break gets a bad name, a bad reputation, but football goes on. I, lo I love the international break. I love seeing Russia play Scotland and hammer them, hopefully. Um, but also, if you don't like that, well, look at futsal. Look at low league football. But futsal is a, is a, is a really good change of pace. I can't literally. believe there's a Communist Party football club. Andrew, this is my... <laughs> This, this this sounds as much excitement as when you when you found out that Astana was no longer Astana but Norsultan on the podcast. This is true. <laughs> it is exciting though. The Communist Party though, Manu, you just watch. The continent is gonna be taken over. By the Communist Party, the MFK KPRF Sport Club of the <laughs> Communist Party of the Russian Federation. Um Andrew, I think this is a very good time to end this podcast before, you know, in the Marxist spirit, um, have the credits roll down. Um, if you actually listen to the very end of the podcast, you actually get the old, um, Soviet anthem. I find that's very fitting. But before you get to listen to the old Soviet anthem, Andrew, what do you have to pluck this week? Well, this week being international week, I'll have the, Russian international game previews up and I have a little bit more time than usual so I'm going to work on I've been meaning to get the updates on Tumen's football season uh, bit of drama there, the 11 side football side, they've been handed another 6 point deduction uh, by Russian football union so trouble ahead uh, but we did win at the weekend against Zenitizhevsk so there will be an update on that on the Football Red Network fairly soon as well yeah, excellent stuff. Um, good that you point that out. The, the Russia preview will be out tomorrow. Um, or by the time this podcast is out, actually. And, um, European championships, qualification matches, etc. There will be some coverage on that. Um, the, the Ukraine, Lithuania preview will also go up. Um, match report on, uh, Lionel Messi less Argentina playing, um, and everyone less Germany, long injury list there. 
um, then that will be going up on footballstadt.com and I think I'm doing something, a special report for Forbes as well. So you can find that stuff at Manuel Wef. Um, everything I do, you can find at Manuel Wef and uh, everything that I do for the Football Grad Network can be found at Football Grad Live. Well, that's it. Um, we're done for this week. Until next week, das wird dann hier. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.